So. Relational values. As I said at the beginning, um, we're looking at our particular core values, and clearly one of them has got to be our relationships with each other. And the values we need to be practicing as believers. And it's from that passage, that scripture passage from the book of Colossians, that the Apostle Paul is reminding us that as believers in Christ, we've taken that life changing decision to let Christ be the Lord of our lives. Effectively, our old rebellious nature uh, has died with Christ and through Christ's death and resurrection, we take on a new life. We take on a new life with Christ as our savior. And when we go through the waters of baptism, of believer's baptism, that's all symbolized in that act of being immersed in water the old self dying, coming up resurrected, and the new life in Christ. So what should our Christian characters be about? Well, Christian character in the life of a believer is an essential aspect of Christian living and ministry. I mean, the whole point of the redemption of Christ is that Christ has redeemed his people in order to conform us to his image. And according to scripture, Christian character includes, and there's a whole list of them, the pursuit of truth, godliness, righteousness, love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, patience, perseverance, meekness, humility, self-control, compassion, thankfulness, forgiveness, contentment, and unity. Now, if I exercised all those all the time, I'd have a halo, I think, above my head that I could <laughs> polish every now and again. But, of course, we don't, do we? And it's, you know, perhaps some of our old character comes forward at times. And God produces Christian character in the lives of believers by faith in Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and by the word of his scriptures. And if you look in your Bibles, at the very beginning in the book of Genesis, we're reminded that God there created human beings in his own image. I sometimes think at that point, well, God must have a good sense of humour. <laughs> but... It's not just about how our looks, is it? We're created in his own image, in knowledge, in righteousness and holiness. It says that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And we're told that in Genesis that at creation, God gave humans the task of exercising dominion over creation. And we were to do this by living righteously and subduing creation to the glory of God. And... In so doing, mankind was then to reflect the image of God throughout the world. Unfortunately, we prefer to live lives of sin and rebellion. So if effectively the image of God became tarnished, if you like, by our sinful natures. We became separated from God. The holy, almighty God, he 
cannot look upon sin, otherwise God would not be holy. So we needed someone to intervene, someone to return us to the proper relationship with God. And it's through the promised Redeemer, Jesus Christ, that God restores in man what was lost in Adam. And since Jesus is the image of God and was God on earth, God therefore effects the renewal of his image in his people through the saving work of Christ. And it's by this union with Christ that we as believers were to manifest Christ's character in our own lives. In John's Gospel, um, chapter 15, it says we're reminded there that and I think Simon spoke about this last week, he says, that Jesus is the fruit-bearing vine in whom we, as believers, become the fruit-bearing branches. Ultimately, Jesus will renew the image of God perfectly in his people in the resurrection on the last day. So we can see really from this that the heart of Christian character is conformity to the image of Christ. Christian character involves the renewal of life, of whole life of a believer. Conformity to Christ reaches to the physical, the spiritual, the mental, the emotional, and the dispositional aspects of the Christian life. And we are relational beings, aren't we? And we enjoy other people's company. We like to relate to people. We're not Necessarily, I mean, some of us may be. I know Fiona keeps saying that you'd be quite happy on your own on a desert island, wouldn't you, Martin? <laughs> Part of me, yes, that's true. But then I guess I, even then I would get lonely and want to relate to someone. Um, but the trouble is sin has destroyed our relationship with God and ruined our relationship with others. And that's why life's greatest hurt as well as life's greatest joys come through relationships with people. So the question is, how can we overcome some of the challenges we face in our relationships so as to follow the example that Jesus has left for us? Well, as disciples, we're called to obey his teaching and to follow him no matter what. And in the book of the Philippians, chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, there it reminds us that we need to start by agreeing with each other. Now, okay, yes, well, there are going to be arguments. There are going to be differences of opinion. It doesn't mean to say that you necessarily can't have those. But perhaps, you know, at the end of it, when you've had your discussions and you've heard the other person's point of view and they've listened to yours, perhaps come to a compromise, agree with each other. It goes on to say, love each other, be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. No, not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity 
and he took on the status of a slave, becoming human. And having become human, he stayed human. That must have been an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and died a selfless, obedient death. And if you look in the Bible, there's plenty more examples of the many sides of what should be our Christian character. For example, in the Old Testament, uh, in the book of Proverbs, there it highlights the manifestation of Christian character in various spheres of life. Back in the New Testament, we get an understanding of our Christian character from the teachings of Christ, and particularly when he taught on things like the fruits of the Spirit. We get character traits mentioned like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They're all wonderful reminders about the perfect Christian character. And then uh, if you read the Beatitudes, or as I call them, the, the blessed attitudes, they're found in Matthew's Gospel, and Jesus went up onto a mountainside to deliver his Sermon on the Mount. And as almost a direct parallel, Moses goes up to the top of a mountain to receive, uh, basically, ways to live correctly under God, the Ten Commandments. And as a parallel, Jesus goes up to the side of a mountain and delivers the Beatitudes. It's godly direction. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. <laughs> the silly side of me wonders about that one, because I think, well, if I'm meek and I inherit the earth, what about everyone else having a party up there? <laughs> Am I missing out on something? But, you know, you've got to read it for what it is. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. And we could do with some of those, couldn't we? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are those who suffer persecution for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now it's worth noting that the first four of those Beatitudes speak of the Christian character in their relationship with God. And the last four speak of the believer's relationship with other believers and with the unbelieving world. And since we as believers have become the objects of the compassion of Christ, then we are to be marked by our compassion for other image bearers. After all, it was compassion that led Jesus to the cross, where he atoned for the sins of his people. And since God in Christ has forgiven the sins of his people, we as Christians are called to be people who seek and extend forgiveness to others. The compassion of Jesus resulted in his serving those who were 
by nature God's enemies. And as the Apostle Paul explained, for Christ did not please himself, but as it's written in Romans, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Therefore, as Christians, we're to bless those who persecute us and repay no evil for evil. We can also look at the prayers of Jesus to gain a further insight into Christian relationships and what our Christian character should be like, including the Lord's Prayer. If you study the prayers of Jesus, you'll notice that on every occasion our Lord prayed, he prayed with an uninterrupted focus on the will of God. Your will be done, he would say. And it would seem appropriate if the Lord Jesus Christ prayed in that manner that we should also pray in that manner. Perhaps our prayers sometimes say, I want, I'd like, I want you to do the same and say, what about this, can you fix this for me? How often do we pray saying, your will be done, your will be done. And when we come to God in prayer, we need to empty ourselves of all our own arrogance, our own, our own self-reliance. And effectively, we need to empty ourselves so that our hearts can be lifted up to heaven and we can focus our minds not on everyday things of this earth, but on the precious treasures that await us in our heavenly home. And then we reveal the essential elements of our Christian character. Someone once said, I can't remember who it was, but someone once said that faithfulness in the kingdom of God is more important than successfulness in the kingdom of man. The Christian life then is lived in the imitation of Christ. Through the union of Christ, believers receive the fruit of Christ's own character. And if you remember the discussion that Jesus had in the upper room with his disciples, he taught them that they would share his love, his joy, and his peace. And the fruit of the Spirit is the description of the primary attributes of Christian character. And Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit as the helper to impart his grace to his people. And as the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit is the agent of producing Christ's love, his joy, his peace, his gentleness, his kindness, his brotherly and sisterly love, his goodness, his faithfulness, and self-control in our lives and the lives of all believers. Now, my Bible's footnotes um, contain a list of sins mentioned by the Apostle Paul in our Bible reading, and it lists them as sins versus signs of love. So hopefully this will come up. There are sins versus signs of love. And in list one, it's uh, sins of sexual attitude and behaviour. These are quite destructive in nature. Evil desires, sexual immorality, impurity, lust and greed. Quite destructive. Then we get sins of speech. And here Paul lists them as things like anger expressed, malice, slander, 
filthy language and lying. And then we contrast all those bad things with the signs of love. And here Paul lists them as compassion, kindness, humility, patience, gentleness, and forgiveness. And we're told to put to death all the things in list one. We're told to rid ourselves of all the things in list two. But over all these lists from the signs of love, we're to cover them in love, which glues them all together and unifies them all. So we can see by studying the passage of scripture from Colossians that Paul offers us effectively a strategy to help us live for God day by day. Firstly, we're to imitate Christ's compassionate attitude. Colossians 3, 12 to 13. Secondly, we're to let love guide our lives. Colossians 3, verse 14. Thirdly, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Verse 15. Fourthly, always be thankful. Also in verse 15. Fifthly, keep God's word in you at all times. Verse 16. And the last one, sixthly, as Jesus, live as Jesus Christ's representative. Live as Jesus Christ's representative. And over all those lists of virtues, then we are to cover them in love. In the first book of Corinthians, chapter 13, it says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So I hope together, as a united friend, a fellowship, that we can stand and we can say that, for we are sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.